Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today we are talking about gynecomastia, which is probably better known as man boobs. Or moobs. Or moobs. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the pop culture kickoff for gynecomastia, man boobs, even though, of course, it was certainly not referenced as such in this episode, but I'm talking about Seinfeld, mm-hmm. that episode where Kramer devises this male chest support undergarment, which she calls the bro. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. The bro, also known as the man's ear. Yes. And if you, if you Google this, you, you can, uh, come across some actual bros and man's ears that do exist out there. But we're not here to talk about, uh, chest spanks for men. We're talking about gynecomastia and man boobs. Because while man boobs might sound like a funny little thing where we're poking fun of it, there was a, a image of Representative Barney Frank for instance, it went viral because he was wearing, um, he was testifying before Congress and was wearing a tight-fitting shirt and it, it, he had uh, some saggy pectoral chest area. See, I'm trying, this is hard She's, to describe. Yeah. Um, he had some, he had a moob issue, okay? I'll just say it. He did, and it sort of caused a, an uproar. Yeah. Because on the one hand, we think, oh, men with breast-like Appendages, that's hilarious, and let's make fun of it. But for the many men and young guys mm-hmm. out there who are dealing with either gynecomastia or pseudo-gynecomastia, which we will soon explain, mm-hmm. man boobs are really not something to laugh at at all. They're a target of bullying and of major psychological issues because they're having to deal with having breasts, essentially. Right. Yeah, gender atypical things growing on the front of you. Yeah. It it actually it's it's really psychologically difficult for a lot of teen boys to deal with. So let's talk about what gynecomastia is. Yes, let's. According to the Mayo Clinic, it is a swelling of the breast tissue in men and boys caused by an imbalance of estrogen and testosterone and it can affect one or both breasts. So I'm just imagining how even more difficult it would be to deal with one enlarged breast as opposed to both. Uh, symptoms include swollen breast gland tissue and breast tenderness, but it's really, um, in the articles you'll read about this, it's really not, there aren't a lot of physical complications, I should say. Um, it's mostly mental, but if you or someone you know is experiencing more than just a little swelling and tenderness and actually experiences pain and discharge, you probably should get yourself to a doctor. Yeah, discharge from a nipple in either one or both breasts. Correct. Head to the doc. And what I did not know about gynecomastia is how common it is at certain phases in male development, starting with newborns. Get Mm -hmm. this. Over 50% of male babies are born with enlarged breasts thanks to estrogen, from the womb. Now it goes away after a couple of weeks, but then when puberty comes around, 
breast development, male breast development is common. That might sound insane we're thinking about puberty and testosterone. Mm-hmm. But no, no, no. You might have the swelling in the, the chest area. And it typically, again, goes away on its own in six months to two years. But if you are a boy going through puberty, as we'll talk about, talk about more, that two years can be excruciating. Right. Exactly. Lots of teasing, not wanting to go swimming, that kind of thing. And then, of course, this all comes back around as men age. The condition peaks between ages 50 and 80, and at least one in four men are affected during this time. Because one of the causes of this, gynecomastia in general, but especially in older men, is a drop in testosterone compared with estrogen. And, you know, testosterone levels decline as you get older, and this can lead to increased body fat, reduced muscle bulk, and swollen slash tender breasts. And gynecomastia is linked to hormones in addition to medications such as anti-androgens, and androgens are uh, derivatives of testosterone, uh, which might be used to treat prostate cancer, um, anabolic steroids, antidepressants, antibiotics, chemotherapy, some medications for AIDS, anxiety, ulcers, and heart conditions. So pretty much the entire population almost at some point or another. Um, alcohol and drugs have some effect. Uh, drugs specifically like illegal ones, amphetamines, marijuana, heroin, methadone. Um, there are health conditions that can affect this like hypogonadism, which is a condition that interferes with the sex hormones. Aging, like we've talked about, tumors, hyperthyroidism, kidney failure, liver failure, and malnutrition, interestingly enough, because, you know, there's this societal kind of connection that we think that if you're if you're overweight you're more likely to develop breasts whether you are larger breasts whether you're male or female but actually malnutrition when you're depriving your body of adequate nutrition it makes testosterone levels drop so eat eat healthy out there <laughs> indeed um, and then there are also some herbal products that have been implicated uh, such as plant oils like tea tree or lavender, um, there was a very small study in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2007, which found that uh, symptoms of gynecomastia were resolved in three boys with normal testosterone levels. So this wasn't the typical hormonally induced case uh, where they stopped using products that contained lavender and tea tree oils and the breast enlargement went away. Yeah, it, it went away. And one of the researchers, the researcher who spearheaded this very small study, is a pediatric endocrinologist. And so he had actually been seeing several boys who had this very kind of unexpected common denominator. And so that's why he, he led the study with two other researchers. They took these boys off of these oils that they had been applying topically, or they were in shampoos. And within two months... The, the breast swelling had gone down. Now, this should not be the signal for male listeners out there to go and just throw out everything in their medicine cabinets and quit drinking alcohol. Although, if you're onto the harder stuff, <laughs> you know what we think about that. That's not good. Right. Gynecomastia or not. But, uh, because most of the time it is a hormonal issue. Um, and if we're talking about treatments for it, there have been some medications for breast cancer patients um, that have been found to be helpful in reducing that tissue swelling, but the FDA has not approved it for use. And then, of course, there is surgery, like liposuction and a mastectomy that actually removes um, that breast gland tissue. Right, and in some cases when the breast tissue has gotten 
rather large, they might have to actually reposition the nipple, in which case you would lose sensitivity in your nipple. Mm-hmm. So there can be there can be certain complications to to any surgery. Well, let's also touch on two things that come up a lot uh, when we hear about man boobs, gynecomastia, which is the medical condition, and then pseudo-gynecomastia, which is just that name for extra fat on the chest. Um, what it, One thing that is not a cause that you might have heard of before is soy. Now, the whole idea of soy being connected to this male breast enlargement is that soy contains these chemicals called isoflavones, which um, contain uh, estrogens in them. So they're thinking if you're eating a bunch of soy, then you're getting all this estrogen in your body and it's tipping the hormonal scales and you develop breasts, which incidentally, I believe it was in 2009, entourage actor Jeremy Piven blamed a sudden bout of man boob on his habit that he had acquired of drinking 12, count them, 12 glasses of soy milk every day. Hmm. Jeremy Piven, that's a lot of soy milk. Well, this uh, this men's fitness advice column that talks about soy and the fact that it's a myth does mention a, a case study from several years ago where the man was drinking... Upwards of a gallon a day mm-hmm. of soy, and and once he removed that from his diet, and I think we even mentioned that in our soy podcast. We did, we did, but um, but clinically there is there's nothing to fear. Vegan men out there, <laughs> don't worry, you are not you're not at risk of gynecomastia. Even though there was one, uh, there was a PETA ad um, advertising vegetarianism by uh, depicting a. A, a male, very large belly and enlarged breasts, which was insensitive to, to gynecomastia. But yeah, it was using basically man boobs as incentive to cut out meat from your diet and lose weight. Right. But some studies say that obesity is not necessarily a cause of gynecomastia either. And in the Annals of Plastic Surgery, this was in May 2010, they said that while many view obesity as the root cause or a root cause, the role of obesity is actually poorly understood in gynecomastia. And they looked at adolescents with the condition and found that 51% of the 69 patients were obese, but the next highest category, 33%, were at a normal weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the 16% who were actually overweight, but yeah, there was that 51% and 33% split. Other potential origins for gynecomastia were found in 27%. Of those patients. Yeah, and I think it's important to distinguish um, the impact of weight gain um, and obesity on gynecomastia because a lot of times the knee jerk response when you see a guy with man boobs is to say, hey, buddy, why don't you just, why don't you go to the gym? You know, once you need to work on those pecs. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about gynecomastia as opposed to pseudo gynecomastia that might be more associated with weight gain, this is all of the pectoral reps in the world will not work those extra, that extra tissue off. Yeah, this is, uh, go ask Alice, the advice site described gynecomastia in relation to pseudo-gynecomastia, which is, like Kristen mentioned, just extra fat men have on their chest. But gynecomastia is the tissue uh, just under the nipple is usually less than an uh, inch and a half across mm-hmm. directly underneath the nipple. So it's not necessarily like a giant chest on a man. Right. Um, but it, since we're talking about uh, weight gain and 
man boobs. Uh, one of the things that was pointed out in that study from the Annals of Plastic Surgery was that the obese adolescents in that participant pool suffered greater psychological impact leading up to um, their either liposuction or mastectomy so surgery. bullying. Right, right. And it's not just, you know, even if uh, you are a of an, an average weighted boy and you develop these man boobs, you might not be as bullied, but there's still like all of these anecdotes that you'll see about boys never wanting to take their shirts off, never wanting to wear tight t-shirts, mm-hmm. never wanting anyone to see that they have these male breasts. And, I, and it seems like we have culturally become far more body conscious when it comes to this issue because uh, this is coming from a February 2012 story out of Men's Health magazine um, that cites uh, from the American Society of Plastic Surgeons that male breast reduction surgeries increased by 6% in 2011. And 6% might not sound like that much, but when we're talking about the amount of surgeries that are happening for breast reduction among younger boys... The statistics are a little more staggering. Um, this is from the New York Times. The number of boys ages 13 to 19, and it was around 14,000, who had breast reduction surgery in 2006 was equal to the total number of all men who had the procedure just two years earlier in 2004. Yeah, and that number was a 21% increase over the previous year for that age group. And it equals also 70%. Of all males who had such such surgeries that year. So 70% of all the men having the surgery were boys 13 to 19. And I also found it interesting that uh, when we were researching for this episode, the article titled Banish Your Man Boobs is currently the second most popular story on menshealth.com. But the thing about that story was that it was replete with moob shaming mm-hmm. it was it was just making fun of guys saying hey valentine's coming up if you'd rather buy a bra for your girlfriend than for you <laughs> do these sweet reps that we've got i don't like that well wasn't it written by a woman i thought it was written by someone named lara maybe it was if you want to buy a, a bra for your girlfriend i don't know said. no maybe she does have a deep voice i don't know but i just remember through when i read that i just remember thinking like Wow, that w- she had a very strange lead that was like, you might like to look at boobs, but not if they're on your chest. Yeah. Something weird like that. Not, not very sensitive. There's so much moob shaming, which seems like it's like man boobs get a pass. Like they're somehow like still okay to make fun of, whereas it's really not that okay to, you know, for smaller chested women to say, hey, what's up? Insert insult about smaller chested <laughs> women. You know? Well, yeah. And uh, plastic surgeon Roxanne Guy points out that boys these days are much more in tune with trying to look good, to look like the models on the cover of fitness magazines. She says, be that good or bad, sometimes they can go overboard. And in this sense, they are beginning to resemble teenage girls. Yeah, listen to this. Um, this is also from the New York Times. Quote, Enlarged breasts are simply a part of adolescence, most commonly caused by the hormonal fluctuation of puberty, according to the National Institutes of Health. 
-hmm. It's a normal part of puberty. Yeah, well, so then what's going on with all these surgeries? And this New York Times article talks to a lot of plastic surgeons, a lot of doctors, and it seems to be a combination of a couple of things. So more teen, like uh, Roxanne Guy points out, more teen boys are getting really body conscious because of all those models on magazines. Uh, obesity is on the rise. And there seems to be, as they point out, a new willingness among pediatricians and plastic surgeons to actually go ahead and surgically treat enlarged male breasts. The problem, of course, comes, though, if you operate too early and there is still development going on. Mm-hmm. And then you end up... You have removed tissue, but there's still tissue growing. And so all of this combines to mean that adolescent boys are more willing to resort to surgery because adolescence is really hard. Yeah. And nobody wants to be bullied for, you know, looking a way that you don't want to look or you didn't try to look. It's not your fault, you know. And one one uh, plastic surgeon compares it to acne. Like, you know, it's a, it's an embarrassing, it's a common condition, but it's embarrassing. And I wouldn't necessarily recommend that a kid just wait it out. Right. And the, but the thing about acne is that it does not bring up some kind of gender incongruent process. Mm-hmm. You like that? I borrowed that. <laughs> uh, this is from the journal Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery, um, talking about why gynecomastia during adolescence is has such a huge psychological impact for boys because they are in that point in their lives of forming the self-image and their gender identity, and all of a sudden, they are sprouting breasts, which doesn't make sense on a male body. Whereas something like acne, yes, we would say, yeah, that's a uh, blemish, but it's, you know, it's an equal opportunity offender. Exactly. Actually, in reading about um, gynecomastia, I read a couple of message boards where boys were writing in, and one boy actually said, "Um, I'm, I'm a male. I'm attracted to women. My genitals work just fine. But am I intersexed because I have breasts? And so there seems to be a lot of confusion, despite the fact that this is a common condition in young men. So there is that whole gender identity issue as you hit puberty and start to develop self-esteem. Or if you're in middle school, maybe you don't have self-esteem yet because it's very hard. Well, I think it's also... Indicative of how, um, you know, we've talked for so long about how the um, unrealistic body images for girls are repeatedly thrown at them through mm-hmm. models in magazines, models on television, actresses, anybody. And now, unfortunately, boys are catching up to the same thing. What do know? we blame? Do we blame the media? Do we blame metrosexuals? Who do we blame? Do we blame the Internet? I don't know. <laughs> no, either. But now there's the idea that whereas, you know, women are soft, hairless, petite, men should be hard and hairy and have these, you know, chiseled but not soft chests. Yeah. One person who points out this whole uh, binary gender issue is artist and performer Matt Cornell, who wrote a column on May 7th about his experiences as an overweight kid with gynecomastia. And he was overweight. He ended up losing the weight but keeping the man boobs. And so at 19, he had surgery to remove them. First one didn't go so well. He had to go back for a second one to reduce the lumpiness and everything. Ended up having to reposition the nipple. He totally lost sensitivity, but now he is definitely, you can tell from his work and his writing, definitely more comfortable in his own body. But he said that this whole man boob issue or overweight issue or body hair issues really bring up bullying, the body police, and lots of issues about gender identity and judgment. And Cornell also discusses what we mentioned earlier, the whole hoopla over Barney Frank's chest 
And he, he talks a little bit about posting on the Huffington Post about it and that they removed his post. But he says that this whole uproar over a man with a slightly saggy chest really reveals culture's obsession with binary gender and what is normal and appropriate for each gender. It doesn't seem to make sense to people that a man would have breasts. It doesn't make sense in their brains. Yeah, he says that it, it confuses our normative sexualized bodies, kind of in the same way that women, to be frank, uh, you know, there's this concern over labia size because, you know, you get like what's spo- guys are supposed to be large down there, right? I'm saying supposed to be in quotes here, you know, whereas women are supposed to be small and petite. It's the same thing of, you know, we it's we have these ingrained ideas about what men and women should and shouldn't look like, and it's having harmful results. Mm-hmm. Now, as a small-chested woman myself, I can say from personal experience, there, you know, there's nothing wrong with with poking fun of not not being the ideal shape, you know, of uh, of not having those those Marilyn Monroe curves, and it can make for funny jokes in the same way that Seinfeld and Kramer and Manziers and Bros and Moobs. And Barney Frank, you know, make for a couple of chuckles every now and then. But it seems pretty clear, too, especially for these younger boys who are being affected by it and who are so confused, you know, thinking that their entire gender identity is in crisis because of a normal process of puberty. Maybe we've taken the jokes too far. Yeah. And the Mayo Clinic really urges people to to go to support groups, mm-hmm. you know, even if that's online, if it's a virtual support group or or in person, to not just sit at home and be really bummed out about it. Right, because gynecomastia, like we said earlier, rarely poses any kind of physical threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you should still go and have the breast tissue checked out. There is a chance that men can develop breast cancer as well. But usually it's just it's more of an aesthetic thing mm-hmm. um so so maybe we should stop all the body policing excellent idea yeah yeah and, and not point and laugh at people when they take their shirts off at the pool mm-hmm. so with that uh guys out there especially this one is for you and we want to hear what you think men who have experienced gynecomastia or pseudogynecomastia young boys out there whose bodies are changing, that has got to be confusing. Mm-hmm. It was confusing for me when breasts were sprouting, and that was a n- normal thing. So <laughs> let us know your thoughts. MomStuffAtDiscovery.com is where you can reach us. And in the meantime, I've got an email here from Carrie, who feels like we left something out in our episodes on addiction and rehab recently. She writes... According to the CDC, painkiller addiction is at epidemic levels in the U.S., and the reality is that in many cases, when an addict cannot obtain prescription opiates, they turn to heroin to dull withdrawal symptoms until they can get a painkiller fix. Withdrawal symptoms are shocking and scary and sometimes worth cautioning your young listeners about if they've ever considered experimenting with prescription drugs. There are some celebrities doing real good in the realm of addiction awareness, and although he's not a woman, Chris Heron is really putting himself out in front of the cause in a major way, especially for athletes. I thought that the podcast was a great start on this issue, but it is one that is particularly meaningful to me, and I felt that there were times when the subject matter was treated in a flippant manner that implied that your listeners only encountered rehab in the realm of pop culture, which in my case just isn't true. So thanks, Carrie, for pointing that out. And this one is from Allison about our Slut Walks episode. 
She says that as a 19-year-old university student, I am probably right in the ideal demographic for this campaign as I'm at the stereotypical age for getting myself dolled up and going out on the town. But in actual fact, I hate the idea of these protests. I live in Australia, and I know there have been slut walk events here as well, but personally, I think they seem to be going about things the wrong way. My major issue is with this idea of reclaiming the word slut. To reclaim anything implies we have had ownership or control of it to begin with and are fighting to get it back. As far as I'm aware, the word slut has never been a positive descriptor for a woman, and so I don't see why we feel the need to reclaim it. Surely the focus should be to devalue the word slut or remove it from the social vocabulary altogether, not to try and take ownership of something that only causes damage. So thanks, Allison. And thanks to everyone who has written in to momstuff at discovery.com, which is where you can send your letters. And you can also send us a message, a like, a comment on facebook.com backslash stuff mom never told you. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter as well at momstuffpodcast. And if you'd like to learn more about body issues and personal health, you should have head over to our website. It's howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?